You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Monday edition. The regular season has come to an end, and we will break down everything that happened on the final Sunday of the 2020 season, what it means for the playoffs, what it means for draft orders, there's already coaches getting fired. A ton to get into this week. Today, we're going to focus on the games. Later in the week, we'll focus on those new coach openings and some of these tasty playoff matchups that will be happening throughout January. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, Matt Williamson, at Williamson. NFL. Uh, there was uh, some wild games, Matt, this week, and a couple of coaches have already gotten fired. Uh, Adam Gase, as soon as basically the clocks hit zero, we knew Gase would get fired in, in New York, but as soon as that game was over, uh, he was done. They didn't even wait till Black Monday for that one. Yeah, again, that, that's not a big shock. Uh, they're starting to come in. We're recording this uh, noon on Black Monday, so uh, we just got word Anthony Lynn was next on the list. There's probably going to be six or seven I think that'll probably be the crux of tomorrow's show. You know, what kind of, how those jobs set up, who are some candidates, uh, was it the right move, all those good things. But a fun slate of games yesterday. We have the playoffs set. Happy New Year to all. It's been, yeah. it seems like New Year's Eve is a long time ago, but that's the last time you and I talked. So happy New Year to you. Thank and you, uh, let's get rolling. Absolutely. Let's do this. Happy New Year to everybody. Hopefully this uh, 2021 year and the, uh, the upcoming season is a lot kinder to everybody, NFL teams and and fans all included there. So let's roll on down the list. But hey, of, we got every game in. Oh, I yeah. Mean, they were saying that last night. 256. Every one of them was played. Every one of them got in, even though there were games that didn't have position groups. And, and look, I hope that doesn't Coaches, happen for... For, for the playoffs, like we can't have a game like where the Saints don't have an entire running back room, right? And I guess we can start with that game because uh, even though they didn't have Alvin Kamara or any of their running backs, Ty Montgomery came in and had 100 yards rushing off the street. I mean, he's worked with Sean Payton before, but that was kind of wild to watch that all unfold with the Saints beating the Panthers 33-7. to Yeah, to me, the Panthers just kind of seem spent. You know, I mean, we... We talked about their defense a lot this year, that it's young. There's some pieces there that we both like, but it's just tough to do 16 games with that type of, um, you know, lack of depth and veterans and whatnot. I mean, they, the Saints didn't have Kamara or Michael Thomas. I mean, it was, my, you know, Ty Montgomery, and they still scored 33 points. I think Breeze is rounding into shape a little bit. Um, the, the big keys for me to that game are, they picked the Panthers off five times. Teddy Bridgewater got benched, and there's going to be a lot of talk that the quarterback isn't on the roster for Carolina, which is something we'll talk about, obviously, a ton this offseason. And as we've seen most games really lately, the Saints' D is really good. Yeah, the, the Saints are just a complete team, and when they're playing well, they have so much talent on pretty much every position group on the roster, and that's why they're my preseason favorite and hopefully they get their running backs healthy. Luckily, it's a Sunday game, and, and if everything goes well with that, they should have everybody back for that game where they're hosting the Chicago Bears um, on Sunday in that first round of the playoffs, which they're calling the super wild card round. Is that what they're calling that? I did see that, yeah, and I didn't. Is that like the official title I, it now? It didn't roll I mean, off okay. the tongue. It didn't roll off the tongue when I, when I, when no, I tried to say yeah, super lot, wild card round. But anyway, yeah, the... Uh, the New Orleans Saints are the two seed in the in the playoffs because the Green Bay Packers 
held serve and won. And by the way, just, I mean, I, I, that the regular season happened. They got all the games in. Congratulations, NFL. But there were some games. Like, we can't have a playoff game where there's no quarterback group for a team. Or even even with a star player out with Coach. I mean, that's, that would just be super unfortunate to go through all that and then just have ga- playoff games that are just completely screwed up with, with players that are out. So whatever sort of the most bubbly situation they can make this, uh, the NFL has to have the most stringent rules and teams because that would be really unfortunate to see a game like the Saints and you know in a, in a playoff game not have a guy like Alvin Kamara or any of their running backs, even though it turned out okay for them. Yeah, I, I am worried about that. We did get all the regular season games in. I wonder, I mean, there's not much room to do it. Do they have the ability to flex a Saturday game to Monday or Tuesday? I'm sure they will if they, they would. have to. Right. Yeah, oh, it seems so, like but... for, for competitive I mean, it's still based on the competitive nature of the game. When it comes to the playoffs, you, you can't do that to a team. If if you can move it from Saturday to Monday, I think you have to do that. I think when in doubt, let these guys play with their players. Although that wasn't the theme for much of the year. This is going to sound a little hometown bias, but the Ravens-Steelers situation is like the only one I can remember where they moved the game just to get more players back. <laughs> you know, right, like, yeah. You know, that's I didn't quite understand, but oh well. <laughs> um, so we talked about the Bears having a playoff game there, finishing the season eight and eight. They did not win against the Packers, but it didn't matter. They had the tiebreaker over the Arizona Cardinals, who lost. So the the Bears are in. They get the final wild card spot at eight and eight. I did not think eight wins was going to get it done in the NFC, but it did for the Bears. The Packers winning, they get the one seed in the NFC and have a bye second year in a row for the Packers with a thirteen and three record and and having a buy in the playoffs and I believe I saw a stat that um Matt LaFleur is the first head coach ever to roll with a buy in his first two seasons coaching a team wow I guess that doesn't shock me I mean now there's only one of the, one spot so it's even more impressive I mean 26 wins in two years is ridiculous and Rodgers is playing much better now than then you know which is a little scary too he throws another four touchdowns and is leading the league and I think he's the easy MVP at this point. I mean, the Packers win six in a row. Mahomes um, sitting probably helps Rodgers a little there as well. I mean, going – everyone has to go to Green Bay now. I mean, that's nasty, and they handle those elements much better than everybody else. Um, the Bears, they backed in. You know, I mean, uh, of the 14 playoff teams, I would say this is the team I'm probably least excited about, you know, but – they turned their season around quite a bit. Um, their defense still hasn't been great, but they're, you know, they're, they they held the football and, you know, they're doing enough. Yeah, there's some interesting NFC matchups. We'll get a, a Washington home underdog game against Tampa Bay. And then there is uh, the Bears who snuck in and those teams don't feel like they have a legitimate shot, but they've won enough games to get in recently. And they're, they're playing their best football of the season right now. So anything can happen in one game series in the NFL mm-hmm. playoffs. So the Bears are in. And how about this stat for Aaron Rodgers, who I agree should be the MVP, even though I think it was probably the number two guy in Josh Allen who put up a, a fight there and even in one half of football Sunday. And we'll talk about that Bills game in a second against the Dolphins um, made his presence felt and he, he's so impactful. But Aaron Rodgers, I think, is the MVP. How about this stat, though, for the Packers offense? Aaron Rodgers ends the season throwing 48 touchdown passes Punter J.K. Scott punted the ball 46 times. Wow. More touchdown that's passes bonkers. than punts for the season. That's that's yeah, an amazing stat for that offense. Yeah, and the red zone efficiency was great. Third down efficiency. Some of the numbers that aren't you know blatantly obvious in the stats were really, really good. And 
I still contend that he didn't have awesome weapons. I mean, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league, but I mean, what if they were to land in Justin Jefferson? You know what I mean? I would still go back to that. Right. I imagine if, yeah, it was Justin Jefferson instead of Jordan Love, who's a, a player that might may never even step on the field for the Packers at this point. I don't know how right, long right. Rodgers is going to go, but when Rodgers is playing like this, and maybe they thought – you know, there was a, an end coming for Rodgers. That obviously did not happen. Did that draft pick help boost Rodgers? And uh, who knows? But uh, Rodgers is going to be around Green Bay for a while. They can't get rid of him uh, for, for really any reason at this point. So, um, but yeah, imagine Justin Jefferson in that offense. And by the way, congratulations to, we talked about Aaron Rodgers led the team in touchdown passes with 48. Um, I believe Devontae Adams led the league with touchdown receptions and his final total was 18. Just an insane did he season. Two for those games? Two and he didn't two games. play all 16. No, he yeah. did not play all 16. That is for sure. So ridiculous. Uh, fantastic numbers for those guys. Let's go to that Bills game. We talked about Josh Allen, who's probably going to come in second in those MVP votings. Uh, the Bills blowing out the Dolphins. 28 first half points before Allen set in the, sat in the second half. 56 26 over the Dolphins, and the Dolphins do not get in at 10 and 6 in the AFC playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to talk kind of out of both sides of my mouth, but they both are sort of the same theme in that, first off, I'm not so sure that the Bills aren't the best team in the league. I mean, they are awesome right now. I mean, they're beating good teams badly. The Steelers, the Dolphins, I mean, playoff-type teams, they are whipping up on, getting up on them early. You mentioned how well Allen's playing. The defense is better than it was early in the season. And, you know, and and then what I'm saying at the other side of my mouth is Miami didn't show up for a really important game. Is it just because Buffalo's so much better? Are they uh, maybe the best team in the league and Miami's the 14th, 15th best team in the league and they just are way, you know, not nearly as good? Or should we be a little concerned that, you know, you're, you're, you're losing 28 to 6 at the half and the game's over? I mean, and you would just think the, the Dolphins would have brought more and I think people will blame Tua, which probably isn't, you know, it probably isn't correct. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot around him this year, but they didn't have the Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, out of the bullpen option for this game. In the end, they put up a lot of yardage, but a lot of it was garbage time. And um, I expect a little more out of the Dolphins, I guess, considering that situation and what both teams had to play for. Yeah, it was a little disappointing from the Dolphins side. And I hope everyone took our advice when we talked about this game. And I had picked the Dolphins thinking that Josh Allen was going to sit in this game. But I said... If on Sunday, Josh Allen's starting this game, you got to take the Bills. And uh, that, that was an easy win if you did take the Bills, uh, no matter what the point total ended up being uh, after that news broke with the, the betters at betonline.ag, by the way. Um, yeah. But Tua ended up with garbage time through 361 yards. But if Ryan Fitzpatrick was available and wasn't on the COVID list, he would have played a lot in that game. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, just seeing how it's gone in the past, like I mentioned, 28 to 6 at the half. I'm sure Fitzpatrick would have came out of the half, if not earlier, and you know, sling the ball around. And it doesn't mean it would have gone better. I'm not exactly sure that Fitzpatrick's the savior that some people make him out to be. But, um, you know, uh, Dolphins, to me, will be one of the most intriguing teams this offseason. I don't think they'll think about a quarterback at three, although I do think one will be there. And I shouldn't even go down this road, but I threw a tweet out late last night that my hunch for the top three, and this should be later in the week stuff, is – Lawrence to the Jags, although what if, you know, Urban Meyer loves fields? Yeah. I think I think the Jets might have a hard time passing on Penny Sewell. I know that makes people crazy. They're going to take quarterback Williamson, but I, just the way Joe Douglas thinks and big men, if you could put Becton and Sewell as your tackles for the next 10 years, 
with Darnold, I think that's a possibility. And then Miami sits there saying, who wants to come get a quarterback? Give us everything you got, an RG3 type of trade. Yeah. So this team's in good shape. And, and the Dolphins have so many picks already this year. It's not like they need yeah. a lot of picks this year, but the, if they can keep going and, and turning picks now into future picks and have two first-round picks every year, I mean, that's the way you build around Tua. And you're right. like the, They kind of arrived a little bit too early. When you look at the skill right. position guys, especially in Miami, they still need a lot of help on defense, defensive line, offensive line, and a ton of skill guys. So I, I think it was a little too early for them, and I think it showed against a really good team who might be you know inching closer to being the favorite actually for me I, I love the way the bills are playing right now i do too i, I might pick them to win it all I, I mean i really think that they're in that stratosphere now and one thing i like to do is just think one year ago where the dolphins were it's like oh they finished the year kind of plucky you know after being the worst team i've ever seen for yeah. 10 weeks so <laughs> i mean that was only a year ago Right. Yeah. So maybe a little too soon for them. But yeah, yeah, I don't think you can take anything big away from that game. Miami just wasn't ready for prime time. They won 10 games, though. That's, congratulations. They would be way in in the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, okay. they're a good team, but they're not. I, I think the, the playoffs are better. Right. I think the right seven teams from the AFC went. And all of those talking points you just mentioned, too, about draft and, and where this thing could go. I mean, that's going to be fun this offseason to talk about all those angles, which we will cover daily here on the Peacock and Williamson the NFL show. But let's finish up the Sunday slate of games from week 17 next. A crystal clear playoff picture for the NFL season with the regular season now done. And if you want to make those games a little more interesting, there is only one place that has you covered betonline.com. AG. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. College football games heading into bowl season, and there are some big matchups in the NFL. Find the best betting lines and props at betonline.ag. Win yourself a little bit of money. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code locked on to receive. A 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG on Twitter to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Betonline.ag. Some of these games, Matt, we can go through somewhat quick. Uh, let's talk about the Ravens, Bengals. Ravens beat up on the Bengals 38 to 3. Baltimore at 11 and 5. Bengals so up, by the way, the fifth pick in the NFL draft this year. Went on a little bit of a winning streak, finishing 4 11 and 1. The Ravens, obviously a playoff team, getting hot at the right time. The AFC playoff picture, quite interesting. And Baltimore ended up being the five seed. So uh, they don't even get a bunch of home games if they're playing. Teams like the Titans and the Steelers and the Bills and the Chiefs. And they're definitely going to not be a, a, a home team in week one. But I think they're going to be favored on the road when they play the Titans Sunday. This was just a slaughter. I, I'm excited to talk Ravens playoff stuff because I think they're a contender as well. And if a wild card is going to go to the Super Bowl, I would bet on Baltimore. They ran for 404 yards in this game. And. Four of their last five games, they've rushed for 200 or more. I mean, they're back to doing what they do. And how about this? I mean, Brandon Allen starts a quarterback through – he completed six passes for 48 yards despite being down by like 30 the whole game. I mean, just miserable, just a slaughter. <laughs> so not even garbage time statistics no, being able yards. to put up there against a, a soft defense. That is pretty amazing. And uh, for, for me, the takeaway on offense, because obviously this was a good team playing against a bad team, was J.K. Dobbins. 
Yes. Uh, he ended the season with hundred or 805 yards and nine rushing touchdowns. And he wasn't that heavily evolved early in the season. Like he was, he didn't get 10 carries in a game until November, essentially. And, uh, and he was the guy, he became the guy. And this was his best output of the season. Only 13 carries, 160 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, this might be the steal of 2021 uh, fantasy drafts because I don't think he can be ranked high enough for how high I would like to take Dobbins next year in my fantasy leagues. Yeah, and all these rookies are kind of on that same conversation. You know, like I had a conversation with a good buddy who's real into fantasy saying, how many backs next year would you take over Jonathan Taylor? And I came up with like four, you know, I mean, and Dobbins and Swift and Akers. When you say they can't go high enough, like if I'm picking 10th in a 12-team draft, I might take two of those guys. <laughs> right, yeah, back-to-back at the turn. I'm, I'm with you yeah. on that, and. They'll probably be ranked pretty high, but then I, I think people just get a little bit nervous drafting a guy in the first round of a fantasy draft that's never had a thousand yards. Yeah. How about this? Baltimore had the football for 40 minutes and 31 seconds in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Slaughter. Uh, J- Lamar Jackson threw three touchdown passes, only completed 10 passes. Right, right, right. I mean, that's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers punt TV yeah, stat. Yeah, pretty amazing. Okay, let's move on to the Steelers who fall to the Browns 24-22. The Cleveland Browns, for the first time since 2002, are a playoff-bound team at 11-5. and The Steelers stumbling to end the season at 12-4. and Yeah, I mean, they rested so many people. Um, obviously, this hits home. I worked for the Browns. I'm, everyone knows I'm so st- Steeler dialed in. First thing I want to say, though, is I'm really happy that the Browns are relevant and that they're in the playoffs. I think they're one of the seven deserving teams that the world's better when Cleveland fan base has something to actually root for and not just have a, a Jersey with 35 million quarterbacks names on the back of it. I mean, this <laughs> right. organization's going the right way, but the Steeler fan in me couldn't have had this any better. I mean, you played the Browns, Really close, and if you hit a two-point conversion at the end, maybe this thing goes to overtime. You stayed healthy, and you rested a lot of your stars, your Haywards and Watts and Roethlisberger's and Pounceys, and a lot of the guys that did dress didn't play all that much. And if I got the if if, if my Steeler homerness got a choice of any of these NFC AFC teams to play in round one, I'd pick the Brownies. There's a good point about the Browns fans. They've been a really good fan base for how bad they've been for so long. And, you know, great for them. They get a playoff team now. They survived it. And they get to stop adding names, at least for a while, to the back of that jersey with all the quarterbacks name on it. I think that started with Tim Couch at the top, right? In stitching and then went to, uh, you know, a million other quarterbacks. It stopped at Baker Mayfield. So congrats to the Browns. Along those lines, I have to tell one quick story. I know we don't have a lot of time. But the last time the Browns were in the playoffs... They came here to Pittsburgh and probably should have won that game. Northcutt drops a really easy one. I was in the stands with all sorts of antifreeze and terrible towels, and this was before I was doing this for a living, basically. I was uh, working a pit at the time, and I was at a lo- local watering hole when I was a scout for the Browns with a bunch of other admin- you know, Browns people. We're all sitting there drinking. There's five or six of us, and that game comes up. And I had one too many in me, and I'm like, yeah, I was in the stands and we had a blast and I was raving my terrible towel and then we went out and partied and they're like, yeah, my my family lost $15,000 in playoff money. Thanks a lot. And I'm like, oh, uh, I'll, get, I'll, I'll get the next round. Sorry. Yeah, I'll get the next round. Sorry about that. <laughs> right, yeah. 
Dennis Northcutt. That's a name I haven't. Sorry, yeah. I haven't thought about that name in a while. Dennis Northcutt. That's a good pull. He wasn't popular at that table. I'll tell you that. I can imagine. Uh, Let's move on to (laughs) a game that did not have any playoff implications. Some draft implications, though. It was the Vikings holding on to beat the Detroit Lions, thirty-seven. 35. Lions finishing the season at 5-11. and 11. They'll be drafting 7 overall in the NFL draft, and the Vikings will be... Actually, they dropped all the way down to pick 14 by winning this game uh, at 7-9 and nine now, finishing their season, and uh, sort of a bummer of the year for those teams in the NFC North. Yeah, and not a lot of people are paying attention to this game, but it ended up being a competitive, high-scoring, fun, fantasy-friendly type game, although no one cared. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins and his offense had over 500 yards of offense and ran 74 plays. And Justin Jefferson got, you know, got, got, went over what one over well over 100 yards to set the rookie record. I mean, the Vikings had kind of a roller coaster season, but in the end, I think they're right in the middle. And we saw Detroit two weeks ago, they looked like the worst team, period. And they played pretty hard, you know. I mean, the, the defense was troublesome again, but Marvin Jones had 180 yards and I don't know. I mean, it was a fun game. If this would have been a week four, we'd be talking about it a lot more. Did you see the the bogus roughing the quarterback call in that game? I heard. I still haven't seen it. I, I heard mean, it was really bad. They got to they got to do something about these calls that that are such big plays that are just phantom penalties. This should never happen. Like I don't know if it's allowing them to review it or just unless it's super egregious, you can't throw the flag on the field. Watch it back and find the player later. But it's. It's impacting the game. We saw in the in the college football playoff. I hated the targeting penalty. Like just and yeah. it's such a big swing, not only for the penalty, but in college they're kicking guys out left and right for hardly anything. And these plays are happening in real time. They're happening full speed. And plays like this that can impact a game, you gotta swallow the whistle. You can't be throwing flags on everything unless it's so obvious and so egregious on the field. Uh, my solution's still the same. Is I think there should be. Someone in a little box in a booth up top, and the only thing they have in front of them is this little red button and a phone. And when they think somebody on the on the field made an error, you push the little red button, and we look at it. I don't care if it's reviewable or not; everything's reviewable for the person in the booth. Yeah, and in that uh, in the in the college football playoff game, it was forty seven for Clemson, and he's going in for a tackle. And look, his head's low, but guys tackle yeah. with their head low all the time; they don't get kicked out of the game. But it was an awkward play where he's trying to tackle a an athletic quarterback with the shoulder as he should be and fields spun into him. And the fact that fields laid on the ground gave them time to watch it. If fields pops up, there's never, there's not even a penalty period and a guy doesn't get kicked out of the game, but since they have all this time, Oh, quarterbacks laying on the ground. So they're sort of officiating the result and not the actually intent and not the play. Like he wasn't targeting with the crown of his helmet. He just happened to tackle with his head down and it was an awkward play and he's spinning. And by the way, fields shouldn't be doing that. He's going to get himself hurt, which he did and, and hurt that, that draft status, even though he came back and had a great game. So I just, I hate the way it's officiated. The, the game is over officiated in some ways. Big calls shouldn't be impacting games that the refs should be, you would, shouldn't notice the refs pretty much ever. And, and when it's obvious, you make a call. If not, find the guys later. Yeah. And, and my theory is, or, or my solution is, at least there's another set of checks and balances. Right. I mean, we understand all these people are humans. And anyone that's been on a football field, you know, watching it from field level at the NFL level, you'd be blown away by how fast and, oh. you know, how th- things happen. But, if we have someone upstairs that can at least say, hey, you screwed up, Jimmy, let's make a letter look at it. I mean, that's, that's all we ask. Right. And when, when you slow it down, too. So they stop the game. They go look at things and they slow it down in super slow-mo. It's like, OK, did a helmet make contact with the helmet? Well, 
Yes, they but always that's, do. That's not what happened in real time. Like that's not the yeah. spirit of the rule of what we're trying to do here. All right, uh, we, we we need to move on from that. Let's move on to another game that we probably shouldn't talk about too much, which was the Patriots who beat up on the Jets 28-14. The Pats finished 7-9. and nine. They'll be drafting 15 in the NFL draft, and the Jets already had sewn up the number two pick in the draft, and pretty much as soon as the clock hits zero, Adam Gase was fired. So that is an opening, and they got to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback and with the second pick in the draft and a new head coach for GM Joe Douglas in New York. Yeah, I mean, I, I there's going to be a lot of changes for both these teams. I mean, we're not certain who either quarterback's going to be next year, the fact that New England got to seven and nine with that roster is mind blowing to me. I mean, they had some downtimes, but they don't have any talent. And in this case, they actually had balance between run and pass, and they actually threw a couple touchdown passes, which is remarkable for the team. They don't do that. Yeah, that, that's going to be fun to talk about both these teams in the offseason. We'll cover those quarterback positions heavily for those franchises. And we'll find out who the new head coach is going to be for the New York Jets. Okay, we've got a lot more games to get to coming up when we finish up this Monday episode. Breaking down week 17 of 2020 football. Next. Looking for a healthy snack that tastes great? Of course you are. Why wouldn't you be? It holds you over. That protein. Low sugar, everything you need in a snack that will actually tide you over, not make you want to run to a bag of chips and cram that down your gullet. And best of all, you can save 20% with promo code locked on at builtbar.com. These bars are not only high in protein and high in fiber, but they're also low calorie and low sugar, which I don't really know how they do it because they taste too good, but they do it and it's amazing. Even good for a keto diet, feel good about yourself, have a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Great for the health conscious folks out there that can help your diet lose, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat that is high in protein. Go to builtbar.com, promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. The New York Giants had a rough one. Um, they beat the Cowboys, which was nice to start the day. But, man, what was going through their minds watching what happened on Sunday Night Football, needing the Eagles to beat the Washington football team uh, to have a chance to make it into the playoffs themselves at 6-10. and 10. But when you're 6-10, and 10, I don't think you have much of a gripe to say, oh, we should have been in the playoffs, right? So um, the Cowboys and Giants both finished at 6-10 and 10 with the Giants beating Dallas Sunday 23-19. Yeah, and they got up on them early, and I give Dallas credit. They came back, made this a very good game, went down to the wire, basically. Um, Sterling Shepard's been really good lately. You know, he had a nice run for a touchdown here, but he ended up you know, with 112 receiving yards. I think he's been a, a, an underreported story that's been pretty darn good. And Leonard Williams, I know a lot of people, including myself, have made fun of Gettleman and all that. Leonard Williams has been awesome this year, and he was great in this game. That defensive line controlled the show, and uh, they they, they uh, sacked Dalton six times. So uh, we'll talk about that Sunday night or the other NFC game because that made my blood boil. But <laughs> you know, was rough. this was a pretty good game when it was all said and done. That was a pretty good game. A couple of teams that – and again, these two teams, I don't think there will be a change at quarterback, but there could be for both of them. And, and so another couple of interesting teams where I don't yeah. think the quarterback – conversation is done at least even though i don't probably anticipate changes there yeah i think it'll be dak and jones but you're right it could not be 
The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Falcons 44-27. Bucks finish 11-5. We'll go on the road in the playoffs and face a team that's not even uh, finishing the season with a 500 record. And the Falcons uh, sew up the fourth pick in the NFL draft, falling to 4-12. and What did you see Sunday with uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks over the Falcons? Yeah, a little Falcons note is now they pick very early in this draft. I, I think it should be quarterback time for them. Who knows? We'll talk about that later. But, I mean, their defense was really bad in this game. I mean, the Bucks averaged 7.6 yards per play, which is way too high. And I mentioned, I can't believe Belichick got that New England roster to 7-9. and nine. This team at 4-12 and 12 is kind of disgraceful. I mean, they should be the 7-9 and nine team, and New England should be the 4-12 and 12 team. I mean, they played a lot of teams tough, but to finish the season with only four wins is pretty darn poor when you just read the bottom line. Right. Uh, Mike Evans got hurt. Godwin and AB went nuts, though. Put Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, just those three. Put them in New England. How many games did the Patriots win this year? 11, 12. Yeah, we're talking about a playoff team. 15. Right, Right, so, um, yeah, and we'll find out what's going on with the Falcons coaching search. They're going to interview their in-house interim guy in Raheem Morris first, and and we'll see how that Mm -hmm. all shakes out for them. Um, and Tampa lucks into yeah. play in Washington. I yeah. mean, they they played hard for that five seed, which is I a have, good spot. I've not looked at the bet online lines yet for next week's games, but I would have to imagine this would be near a record-setting game for a road team in the playoffs to be favored over a home team. I need to look as well, but I would at need double digits to take Washington. Double digits? Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll tease that for later in the week when we get heavily into the lines and start making picks for our Super wild card playoff games that are that are coming up. Okay, let's go to the Raiders and Broncos, which didn't have any playoff implications, had some draft implications, though. And I thought the Broncos pulled off the the win when they hit a 92 yarder from Drew Locke to Jerry Judy. Jerry, Jerry, and Jerry yeah. Judy was flying down the field, by the way. He ended up with five catches, 140 yards, and that long touchdown. But the Broncos could not hold on. The Raiders come back down the field and then go for two to win it in regulation and win this one 32-31. This is another one, kind of like that that Lions-Vikings game. If this was week four, we'd be talking about what a great game this was. You know, barn burner, all the fantasy points, big plays, uh, I read today Jerry Judy was near the top of the league in air yards for the season. Like, I know he had drops, but he's capable of greatness, and I, I'd be buying low on him if in Dynasty oh, and that no kind doubt. of thing. Yep. Uh, he's a really good player. But this was a highly competitive game. I mean, a lot of offense, a lot of offensive skill talent out there. I mentioned Judy and, you know, Waller and all these guys. So you can just see what this division's trying to be. They're trying to all mimic the Chiefs, and these two are the best examples. It was nice for Jerry Judy to see him do what he did so many times at Alabama, right? Take those short to intermediate routes and then dart through the defense and open up that stride. And you could see him flying. And I was wondering all season long, like, what's going on with Jerry Judy in Denver? And it was good to see that. And there was other times I watched games and he could get open. So target him yeah. more underneath, let him catch and run some stuff and then, you know, hit over the top as well. So I think part of that is Drew Locke. Part of that is that offense. But I'm with you. Buy low on Jerry Judy's stock in your uh, long-term keeper in Dynasty League. Last note I really have on this one. I know we need to move on, but Vegas won this game despite being minus four in turnover differential. That's hard to do. Oh, and and then as soon as that late touchdown by Denver, I was thinking, man, with the way the season ended and the the past two seasons with the Raiders starting six and two and and not making the playoffs, if John Gruden didn't have a 
30-year contract or whatever it is in Las Vegas, I mean, he should be on the, the hottest of hot seats. And even with that contract, if this happens again next year, how do you keep going with that? I know. I know. I mean, there was even a, a spot this time or early in the year when I thought he was a potential coach of the year candidate, you know, third or fourth on my list. But it's always about offense with Gruden. I mean, he his offenses are great. They're well-designed. But he's, from what I've been told and people that are, have been close to him, you know, he, he's real fascinated with just with that side of the ball instead of the whole head coach experience and the CEO aspect of it. Mm, yeah, and it's, um, some people aren't good, and we'll find that out with some coaches that get hired. We've seen that from some other coaches. Some people hit the hit their head on the ceiling at coordinator, and they're really good column plays, but they're not great at being CEO of an organization. There's so much more into it than just column plays when you get to be a head coach in the NFL. So fascinating stuff there. Let's move on to the Jaguars and the Colts. The Jags, number one pick in the draft, have some decisions to make. At one and fifteen, finishing the season after falling to the eleven and five Colts, who got into the playoffs twenty eight fourteen Indy. Early, I mean, I didn't pay a ton of attention to this game, but early, I'm thinking, boy, this is going to be a blowout. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, who we brought up before, I mean, he had over hundred yards rushing in the first quarter and ended up with two fifty three and was a dominant player. Some of these rookie backs, as we've talked about, and Will Moore, I mean, it took him a little while to bloom, but wow, are they blooming? Um, but the Jags, as they often have this year, played a good team pretty close. You know, I mean, they're the worst team in the league. They're 32nd. They're getting Lawrence, all that stuff. But there was five to eight games that they played the opponents tough and could have, you know, a bounce here and there. Maybe they get a win. Yeah, this definitely had the feel of the Colts saying, look, we're going to run it with our rookie running back 30 times. Go ahead and stop it if you want to. And, and they did yeah. not stop it. 253 rushing yards, two touchdowns on those 30 carries. And when you see like the, the running back position these days in the NFL and the way I feel about it, the way a lot of people feel about it, but then the way some coaches coach it, and it's almost like with what we've seen with Derrick Henry and what he's doing, we'll talk about him in a minute, but Jonathan Taylor too, they get better the more carries they get. It's almost like, well... If this is the best we can, if we can get the most out of our running back by using him the most, let's just do it and worry about injuries and all that stuff later on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I mentioned this with the Bears, but the Bears and Colts come to mind with me of people think they're a top-level defense, but they really aren't. They, they haven't been good for eight weeks, either one of those. I mean, not they're bad, but they're not a top-level defense. They were... Yeah, it, well, first of all, I think part of it was their schedule this year. Yes. And yes. maybe a little bit overrated to start the year because they got to play the Jets and the and the Jaguars and um, yeah. the Bengals and the Bears. Those were for their first, what, six or seven, eight games in the Lions. Uh, then I think it was, was it the Titans game where they kind of really got exposed or they had their worst game on defense then sort of got things better. But they they, they were a little overrated defensively. They're good. They're not historically great or anything like that, which is what the path they were on to start the first half of the season defensively. I like I could hear some talking heads this week saying, well, that Colts defense should be able to at least keep Josh Allen and company under wraps. Yeah. 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 I don't, no. I don't love that matchup. for the No. There. The Kansas city chiefs sitting Patrick Mahomes fall to the chargers. The chargers uh, actually hurt themselves quite a bit when it comes to the NFL draft ended up. Uh, let's see where are the chargers going to draft. Now they're going to draft, 13 overall after winning this game, finishing seven and nine. But I mean, it's all good things for winning games with your rookie quarterback and Justin Herbert, youngest player in NFL history to throw for 30 touchdowns in a season for the Chargers. But it was not enough to save Anthony Lynn's job 
as uh, we mentioned at the top, just announced as we started recording, Anthony Lynn and his coaching staff fired in Los Angeles. Yeah, and this is a tough game to take anything concrete from, but uh, I mean, it was Chad Henney. It wasn't Mahomes. Mahomes is the best deodorant in the league, but I mean, the Chiefs still didn't run the ball. Chiefs defense still has some holes. Like, I think the Chiefs were better last year than they are this year is all I'm saying. I think they're vulnerable. I'm not saying that they're not the best team in the league. They're number one in my power ranks, all that good stuff. But there's some problems with the Chiefs right now. Um, I give the Chargers credit, though. I mean, held the ball for about 35 minutes. You know, guys like Keenan Allen weren't there, and Mike Williams stepped up. And I would have let go of Anthony Lynn today, too, but this team did win their last four games. Yeah, they they, they showed something at the end of the yeah. year. So uh, that, that'll be an interesting job for sure. In Los Angeles. Let's move on to the Cardinals who were knocked out of the playoffs, losing their last two games against NFC West division opponents. Niners last week, this week it was the Rams who finished 10 and six, uh, beating the Cardinals 18 to seven. And it was unfortunate for Arizona because it was uh, John Wolford starting at quarterback for the Rams and, and Murray started for the Cardinals, got hurt, left the game, tried to come back late, but he was obviously really uh, banged up, wasn't able to bring him back. 18-7, Rams beat the Cards, and the Cards, who I thought were a shoe-in to make the playoffs a month ago, are now on the outside looking in at 8-8, eight eight, did not make the, the big dance. Yeah, in the last month or six weeks or so hasn't been all that pretty for Arizona and, and has raised some questions for me about Kingsbury, to be honest. Not so much about Murray, and I understand there's been a lot of injuries with him. I'm still a big Murray believer and I commend him. I mean, he's tough and competitive and probably never even should have went out there. I mean, I remember you saying this week, which was dead on, we're going to get Murray to the, to the starting line no matter what. I mean, he's going to play whatever we have to do. And then, boom, he was out. And then he came back in mm -hmm. and couldn't push off the, that really that lower body injury very well. But give the Rams credit. You know, I mean, John Wolford made a couple throws, and that's all they needed. You know, I mean, was he great? No, but... They had the ball for 38 minutes. They scored on a safety. They scored on defense. They blocked the field goal. Aaron Donald was, I mean, Lawrence Taylor, I mean, the, the as good a defensive performance as you'll ever see. And that was enough against a wounded Cardinals team. And then the, the Rams are dangerous. And I wonder if Goff will play this week. Do we know that yet? Uh, I do not know. And I was thinking that watching the game. I was thinking, oh, yeah, wait. Goff is a thumb injury, so that might be a little bit. Could John Wolford start a playoff game? We'll find out. By the way, he could scramble a little bit, ran around. He had uh, 56 rushing yards on six carries, actually led the Rams' offense in rushing, even though Cam Akers had 21 carries, only had 34 yards, 1.6 average for Cam Akers on the ground in that game, which is somewhat wild. And then, oh, yeah, Chris Strebler is the other quarterback we got to see a lot of for Arizona yeah. in between uh, when, when Kyler Murray was out of the game through a really costly pick six, which was kind of the ball game there. Troy Hill took it back to the house. And Wolford's running was enough. You know, you add that little bit of running, a little bit of a different dimension. Plus he made three or four throws, you know, that were kind of schemed up, but as well as the defense played and as much as Arizona was struggling, I mean, they, they held the Cardinals to seven points. With the Saints and Packers both winning, the Seattle Seahawks didn't really matter that they beat the 49ers 26-23. They're the three seed in the NFC and uh, came back and had some Russell Wilson, Wilson magic in the fourth quarter to beat the 49ers. They'd only put up two field goals in the first three quarters of the game against Robert Sala's defense, who, by the way, has a bunch of interviews lined up this week. A valiant effort for the banged-up 49ers, but they fall to 6-10. and 10. They'll draft number 12 overall, losing to the Seahawks, who are 12-4. and four. Uh, final score there, 
Yeah, and you're more on top of this one than me, of course. But, I mean, Seattle's won their last four, but I still don't have a great feeling about them. Like, this isn't the Wilson throwing bombs, the DK Metcalf moving the ball down the field at will type of team. And you mentioned Sala. I mean, this Niners D, I thought, played great in this game from what I saw and really has put the clamps down lately. Uh, they're in a good place. I mean, I, it just wasn't their year. I mean, they ended up 6-10. and 10, But uh, what I wrote in a little blurb was they're clearly going to be the hot, worst-to-first team next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, just getting yeah. healthy enough and having all their best players back is, is enough, and then we'll see what else happens there, and maybe they make some changes at quarterback at the top or at least make their backup quarterback position better just in case Jimmy Garoppolo does get hurt again next year so that'll be a fascinating team to watch and and should be much better just by being playing a different season and and playing a healthier season next year the Seahawks is interesting because Russ was cooking to start the season their defense was awful when the defense got better the offense got worse and they're almost a worse team even though they're playing better on the defensive side of the ball it's really strange in Seattle it's it's hard to put a finger on what's going on but uh, and one of the things we saw in this game that we see a lot is it's a, a one or the other with the wide receivers. So a team says, well, we want to take away DK, which is what the 49ers did. They were kind of playing off coverage on him and had a safety over the top. So Tyler Lockett catches 12 passes. And by the way, congratulations to both of them. Uh, franchise record receiving yards, passing Steve Largent for DK Metcalf and franchise record receptions, 100 receptions for Tyler Lockett going triple digits. So pick your poison. One of those guys is going to be open. It's really hard to stop both. And then you have Russell Wilson. You can't keep them down long enough. So I still think they've got the quarterback. They can play well enough on both sides of the ball. The Seahawks are going to be all right. We'll see what happens, though, when they're playing the powerhouse teams in the playoffs. The NFC playoff is is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm not quite as fearful of Seattle as I usually am this time of year. But, I mean, Wilson's capable of anything. I think I mentioned this last week, too. I really think they need one more pass catcher. I mean, like a a chain moving right, tight, Cole Beasley, a tight end, or, or something. Right. a tight end, or even Kamara is a, a, too much of a you know too strong example. Everybody wants Kamara, but even a back <laughs> that can beat up on linebackers. I yeah. mean, one more guy. Yeah, because all of their backs are the same. They're you know right, six right. feet plus two twenty plus. Right. Let's go to the Titans and Texans. Titans just narrowly beating Deshaun Watson's Texans 41-38. How about this stat when it comes to Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans? Deshaun Watson, according to ESPN Stats and Info, finishes the season with an NFL high 4,823 passing yards, but a 4-12 record. He's the first player to lead the NFL in passing yards with 12-plus losses since Jeff George back in 1997 Whoa. with the Raiders. Wow, how about that? And... I mean, he played almost as well as any quarterback in the league this year. I mean, his body of work, if you just isolate the quarterback position as you really should, isn't much behind Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers. You know, I mean, and if he would have been in those situations, imagine if he was a chief this year. You know what I mean? Um, But there's just so little around him. I wanted to mention Brandon Cooks, though. For some reason, he never gets brought up as a high-end player, maybe because he's been on so many teams and has such a weird career path. But mm-hmm. he's been really good this year and was great in this game. Tennessee's defense really worries me. They don't rush the passer at all. I think it's probably the worst defense in the playoffs. But it's one of the best offenses. You know, Tannehill hits A.J. Brown deep on that 
um, to, for the set up the game winning field goal, which I had no faith was going to go between the, the uprights and Henry gets a 2000 yards. What a monster. <laughs> 250, 34 carries, 250 yards on the ground. The guys bouncing off of him like he's a video game. And, and even though he's rushed for 200 yards multiple times against the Texans, I didn't know if he was going to get the, whatever it was, the 200 and, 20 yards that he needed to to get 2K, but he did it. Congratulations, Derrick Henry, 2,000-yard rusher. Yeah, wow. And that makes me, because a lot of people want to put an offensive head coach there with Houston. We'll talk a lot about this. But get a defensive guy, because the offense is going to be okay with Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 you're probably right. I mean, he, he is a great uh, deodorant in his own right, and we'll talk head coaches, but I, I think Watson's doomed for one more bad year and then maybe they can be back in contention like in 2022 this game this game was somewhat frustrating to watch and you would have hoped to see a a better fight put up by the eagles and washington didn't do a lot to really earn the victory the the eagles lost it more than washington won it and sort of backing into the playoffs at seven and nine Congratulations to Washington and congratulations to Alex Smith and, and his award for comeback player of the year, which he no doubt will get quarterbacking his team um, at all. But into the playoffs at seven and nine, Washington wins the NFC East, beating the Eagles 20 to 14. But obviously the big story here is what was going on with Philly and their quarterback position. Why was Nate Sudfeld on the field at all, Matt? It made me mad. I mean, I, I felt like I was watching a head coach trying to lose a game and looking at like Kelsey and these guys that are slugging it out every play, looking at their faces made me think this is wrong. You know, like this isn't, this is breaking the integrity of the sport is the way I took it. And I, mean, I don't know why it hit me that way. So rough, but I just thought this is wrong. This guy is trying to lose the game. It's different if, you trade Tunsil and Minka and, you know, you, you're going to have a rebuild year, a tank year. But to actually play the game to lose it is the way I felt this went. In the end, I'm glad Washington went from the East. I think they are the best team. I love and adore their defensive line. And they highlighted Chase Young a lot in this game. And I think he's going to be maybe an all-time great. I, I, I'm not picking a fight with you here. I know you're an Alex Smith fan and his story's unbelievable. But I think he's a massive liability. Uh, I mean, in terms of comparing him to the other 13 quarterbacks in the playoffs and whatnot, I mean, everything's a check down, no air yards at all. And in the end, the Eagles, they threw for under 100 yards and averaged 3.3 yards per play. I mean, and, and Sudfeld was a disaster. I mean, he totally looked like he didn't belong. I, it made me mad. Yeah, and it, uh, there, there's multiple levels of it. I don't think they were tanking for the draft pick. I just think it was a stubborn coach that decided some things earlier in the week and was like, I'm going to play a backup quarterback because I was a backup quarterback in the NFL and I decided I'm yeah. going to play this quarterback, so I'm going to do it. And it's not like Jane, Jalen Hurts was throwing the ball all that great, but he was at least no. running the ball and he had two rushing touchdowns, gave the team a chance to win. And when Sudfeld was so bad, at least for the last couple drives or something, put the last drive put Hertz back in the game. Like, okay, let's try to go win a football game at least because he's obviously the best option. Not to mention he's maybe the guy going forward in the future. So, uh, and the other thing is right. you're, and we're, we've already heard rumors about Carson Wentz saying he's going to, or not him saying it, but that he is expected to request a trade from Philadelphia, which might be the way they need to go anyway, because of the emergence of Jalen Hertz. Um, but after the game, Zach Ertz sat on the, bench for a long time then 
I saw a clip later of Jason Kelsey and Carson Wentz joining them. They were just sitting there, the three of them, on the field, long after the game was over, everyone's done. You don't see that in the NFL, and I would love to have had a microphone over there to hear what that conversation was after that game between uh, three of the veteran players on that roster. Uh, you, You borderline end up losing the locker room doing stuff like that. Uh, I, I right. don't think it was well-liked by anybody except for those who are really excited that the, the Eagles end up with the the sixth pick in the draft, which who knows, over the long haul might benefit them in some way. Yeah, I mean, or do they have a vendetta against the, the Giants? Didn't want them to get in the playoffs? Or, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I understand. I mean, maybe it was for the draft pick, but they wanted to lose this game. <laughs> I said before this game even, I don't think I'd bring Peterson back. I think he's been a, a real mm-hmm. problem for the team for a couple of years now. They have a big time losing record since winning the Super Bowl. And those three, I mean, really like the three pillars or three of the pillars of that organization, the Fletcher Coxes and Brandon Grahams as well. I bet they were sitting there. And again, maybe I'm just overreacting. I bet the three of them are sitting there going, I don't want to be a part of a team that is trying to lose or is putting the 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 work the best players on the bench in a game that we got to play the we got to play Washington twice next year. I mean, this is there's pride on the line, you know. And uh, Kelsey just a couple weeks ago after a game was asked about development and, and what's important the rest of the season, and he had a really pointed uh, talk with re- with reporters and in the media at the podium talking about how that that doesn't matter and how it's important and that's a loser's mentality. And then they go out and do it. And when you when you hear those comments before this actually happened, because people were replaying this during the game, and it was like, okay, this yeah, this cannot be good. And I'm with you, man. The the way that the Eagles have played and and so disappointing. Uh, I. I maybe Peterson was trying to get fired. Maybe he's too comfortable in his job knowing he won't get fired, but that was a fireable offense, in my opinion, Sunday. Yeah, or did, I mean, did it come from ownership? Hey, lose this game no matter what? I mean, right. are you just following orders from the boss? I, I, I don't know, but again, this is for another day, but you know, Kelsey's very outspoken. I think Ertz is going to be a cap casualty. They have the worst cap situation in the world, and I know it's not cap friendly, but I don't think Wentz will be back. Maybe none of those three will be back. Chase Young trotting off the field saying that he wants Tom Brady. Uh, he's going to probably regret those words. I don't think that Washington <laughs> wants Tom Brady right now, and I agree with you. Alex Smith uh, is a great story, but he's not going yeah. to put a team on his back and go win some playoff games. They, they pretty much have no shot. I mean, they're just not aggressive enough through the air. Right. And, you know, I mean, and they're not that good of a team. I mean, they got in, and, and no, congratulations. No, right, right. They just, you know, they it, in some ways, and this could be a conversation again for another day, like, I don't think that maybe, I don't care if you win your division, if you are a below 500 team, maybe you shouldn't be allowed to be in the playoffs and another team gets in with a wild card. Yeah, I think there's an argument for that. But I also think there's an argument for goal number one of our organization. The day we report the camp is to win our division. We've built everything to win the division. There should be some reward for that. Uh, again, this is for another day. And I'm not picking on Alex Smith, but Washington now has as bad of a quarterback situation as there is in the league. Right, because Alex Smith is expensive, too. And so you almost have to cut Alex Smith this offseason. Haskins is already gone, and and now you're going to be drafting in the second half of the first round because you made the playoffs. It's going to be that much more difficult uh, to to draft yourself the next franchise quarterback there. Yeah, I mean, they they almost have to go the Darnold route or something like that or a Trubisky or, you know what I mean? And I don't know if that's going to work, you know. They're in a bad spot. We'll get into all of those scenarios with every single team in the NFL 
throughout the offseason here on the Peacock and Williamson show. Went a little bit long here, but a lot to talk about in the regular season finale week. And now it's playoff time, Matt. We can start focusing on some head coach hires and some playoff matchups in the NFL. Should be a fun week. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Get your questions in, by the way. And there's a lot of head coach stuff we need to talk about tomorrow, I think. But there should be time for some more questions. I don't know if we'll be able to hit a full amount of two-minute drill questions. But tag me at BD Peacock on Twitter. Tag Matt at Williamson NFL. We will touch on some of your questions tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.